This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I've found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. I have mentioned antichrist structures a few times so far in this book. This is an important issue because a church that is improperly or incorrectly set up could be an antichrist structure. Whenever we hear the word antichrist, most people immediately think of the man of sin spoken of in Thessalonians and referenced in the prophecies of Daniel, and yes, he is an antichrist. But contrary to common opinion, he is not the only one. There have been antichrists in the church almost since the beginning of the church when the apostles first began spreading the word. The apostle John refers to many antichrists in one of his letters in 1 John 2 verse 18. He says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. And that's the first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 18. Many Antichrists, not just one, and not just at the end of the days, just prior to the return of Christ Jesus, who is coming back to set up his eternal kingdom and to reign upon the earth. But as we continue to look at these words of John, we gain more insights into the nature of these antichrists and how they operate. John showed us how to identify an antichrist and gave us a description of an antichrist that existed in John's day. The issue for us as the church, who are meant to be the bride of Christ, is that when these antichrists rear their heads, they change the structure of the church from the patterns established in Scripture by the Lord to an antichrist structure that will tear down and destroy people. So let's have a look at some of the issues concerning antichrists and the antichrist structures. What is an antichrist? The first thing we must understand is what exactly is an antichrist? I think some people have a picture in their minds of someone fundamentally evil with a look of leering and hatred on their face who is totally opposed to Christ. Perhaps like some devil worshippers who partake in all kinds of abominable activities and practices. Without question, they are indeed opposed to Jesus and his followers, but they are not the only antichrists that exist. Such people are obvious opponents of the Lord. However, when we look at the Greek word that is translated as antichrist, we see that it is a word constructed in two parts, anti and Christ. We know who the real Christ is, Jesus, the Son of God and Saviour of the world. But when the word anti is placed before Christ, we assume it means to be opposed to Christ. But as we look deeper into the meaning of the word anti, we find other shades of meaning. The Greek word for anti means against, opposite to, before, instead of or in place of, official substitution. This sheds a whole new light into the meaning of the word antichrist. An antichrist is not just opposed to Christ, but they also stand before or ahead of Christ. The antichrist takes a place ahead of Jesus and stands in the place of Jesus instead of Jesus or in place of Jesus as an official substitution for Christ. Antichrists are those who replace Christ and depose him from his rightful position in the church 
I've mentioned in previous chapters that the correct structure of the church has Christ Jesus at the head, and we all are subject to him. I have also mentioned a number of times that no man has the right to sit at the head of the church because that position belongs to Jesus Christ alone. This is why the governing body of the church on earth sits with a body of co-equal elders, not just one person, but many. If a church exists that is a single man or woman at the head of the church, then they are standing in the place of Christ Jesus as an official substitution for Jesus Christ in the church. And because they are replacing Christ by taking his rightful position at the head of the church, they are an antichrist, and the church is no longer structured according to the will of God. It is an antichrist structure. It's not because they vehemently oppose him, and in fact they may appear to be on his side. It is because they replace Jesus by taking his place at the head of the church. They substitute themselves into the place only Christ has the right to occupy at the head of the church. The devil is crafty, and he knows that the best form of deception is to make something look good on the surface but under the surface is full of deception, guile, and evil practices. As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is not strange if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15. Just as the devil disguises himself in his craftiness as an angel of light, so too these antichrists in the church are disguised as servants of the Lord. But they are not serving the Lord. They are serving their own passions and pleasures. Where do these antichrists come from? This is an important question because the antichrists are well disguised so well disguised that many do not see their deception. So it's important we understand the source of these antichrists and where they come from. John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 19, Children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they all are not of us. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. The first thing we see about these antichrists is that they come up from within the Christian church itself. And they are, or were, one of us. They are people who have come to church and yet have been turned from the knowledge of the truth to something else. They may see the church as an opportunity for power or for personal gain. They may see the church as a place where they can gain influence and a higher standing in the community for their own benefit. The point is that these antichrists come predominantly from within the church. They are men who the devil is able to turn to his devices by playing on their human passions. If they are able to lift themselves up to leadership within the church through guile and politics, then they will wreak destruction on the church. In John's time, he spoke of the many antichrists that had gone out from amongst the church and into the world. 
If there were many in his days, when those who walked with Jesus and received the knowledge of the gospel firsthand from Christ himself, then how many more are there today? Today, the truth of the gospel has been diluted and polluted over the past two millennia to the point where what is taught in the name of Christianity is sometimes unrecognisable when measured against the scriptures. There are so many false doctrines and lies taught in the churches today that it is a struggle to find the truth. In the early days of the church, they did not have to sift and sort the teachings of the gospel because it was pure and accessible through those who heard it first from Christ Jesus himself. Unfortunately, that is not the case today. The many antichrists that grew up within the church over the past two millennia, bringing false doctrine and deceit into the ministry of the church, have made it difficult to ascertain truth from error. Many of the things taught in the modern church have no basis in scripture, and many other things, while appearing to be scriptural, have been so twisted and bent out of shape that they too have no truth in them. It is these many antichrists that have led the church astray, and those men or women were not even aware of their peril. The Spirit of Antichrist I've made numerous comments about the need for a group of elders to govern the church on earth with Christ at the head. This is for the protection of both the church and the members of the church. A church that is set up in an Antichrist structure is in trouble. All churches have an angel of the Lord watching and overseeing the comings and goings of the church. These angels have responsibilities to report back to the Lord. But when an antichrist structure is established, where a single man or woman replaces Christ Jesus by setting themselves up as the head of the church, then the way is open for the spirit of antichrist to take over. The Apostle John was aware of this issue because he wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3, to Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the Spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is in the world already. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3 to Churches are overseen by the angelic spirits of God, but Antichrist structures will fall under the control of the spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of Antichrist, as John wrote above, just as there are holy spirits. The spirit of Antichrist is able to possess a person who takes a position at the head of a church, just as the Holy Spirit dwells within the people of God who have received the Holy Spirit. The spirit of Antichrist is a destructive spirit whose role is to usurp the position of Christ in a church and thus bring the church into the bondage of the devil. When the devil has people in bondage to his ways, then he is able to wreak havoc in the church, causing all manner of evil to occur. He works through division, whisperers, gossip, false doctrine, passions, lusts, and promotion of what is false. He calls evil good and good evil. Most significantly, the spirit of Antichrist rejects the authority of the Lord and those who are in positions of authority in the Lord's service. The spirit of Antichrist does not want an eldership in a church, or if he allows it, he makes certain the elders will bow down to the whims of the church leader. Why is it so dangerous to have one man at the head? 
This is why it is important to have a group of co-equal elders governing the doctrines, teachings and affairs of the church. The reason that they must be co-equal is so that no single person can lord it over the rest and so become the head of the church. When a church is established, the very first thing that should occur is to establish an eldership to run the church. The elders are co-equal and have joint responsibility for the church in the service of the Lord. They also work together with the Lord, seeking his advice and direction on all matters to do with the running of the church. The elders are responsible to keep the teaching and doctrine of the church pure, undefiled and undiluted by the false teachings of antichrist churches and the ways of the world. For the sake of the proper operation of the church, it is essential that an eldership be established. The eldership protects against Antichrist because if someone within the church or someone comes from outside preaching a false gospel, false teachings, or attempts to take control of the church to become the head, then the elders can deal with those things. They must be well versed in the doctrine and teachings of the new covenant to confute Antichrist teachings, and they must be able to stand against Antichrists when or if they arise. For the same reason, then, it is important that if a man sets up a church, they need to appoint a co-equal eldership to work with the church and govern it under the head of Jesus Christ. This is for the protection of that person. If they fail to do this, then there is the strong possibility of the spirit of Antichrist coming upon them, possessing them, and leading both them and their church to destruction. This is a serious matter, and one of the main reasons for understanding the need for correct structures in the church. So how can we identify Antichrists? We are fortunate that the Lord has given us the ability to recognise when or if a person has been possessed by a spirit of Antichrist. The Lord has made a way so that we won't be fooled by the devil in these matters. He has provided a way for the elders to take command of an Antichrist situation in the church, or failing that, for an individual to identify and leave an Antichrist-structured church to find another that is not subjected under the bondage of an Antichrist. The Lord has given us a test to determine whether a spirit is from the Lord or is a spirit of Antichrist. The test is identified in the verses quoted previously in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3, to which says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you heard that it was coming, and now it is in the world already, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3. to We have a test here that can be applied to those who may have been caught and possessed by the spirit of Antichrist. A spirit of Antichrist that possesses a person cannot answer or is forbidden to answer yes to this question. Did Jesus come in the flesh? Why this is the case, I do not know, but the Lord has put this test in place so that it can be used to determine whether a person is possessed by a spirit of Antichrist or not. If this question is directed to the spirit within the person, they will answer either yes, indicating the spirit is of the Lord, or they will answer no, indicating that they are possessed by a spirit of Antichrist, which is a demonic spirit from the devil. If they answer no, then the church must take steps to overcome the spirit of Antichrist. 
They may need to expel that person from the congregation. They may need to set up an eldership to remove or regain control over the church and take it away from that person. They may need to pray to the Lord to cast out the demonic spirit. Regardless of what the church does, it absolutely must ensure the church structure is amended to prevent the spirit of Antichrist from taking over the church. Hard decisions will need to be made, and the congregation may need to make choices also. It may be that the church is already too far gone to change, in which case the individuals in the church may need to seek alternative places of worship, even setting up their own church if needed, but ensuring wherever they go that the new place of worship is correctly structured with Christ at the head and a body of elders governing the affairs of the church in the service of Christ. To do otherwise would be destructive to the church and to the individuals in the congregation. We see this re-emphasised again in the second letter of John. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, men who will not acknowledge the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look to yourselves that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Anyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into the house or give him any greeting, for he who greets him shares his wicked work. 2 John chapter 1, verses 7 to 11. Once more in this scripture, we find the application of the test. If anyone will not recognize the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, then they are deceivers and antichrists. We also see the warnings about which I wrote several paragraphs ago. We each have to look to ourselves and check our own situation so that what we have learned in and from Christ is not taken away through deception and especially the deceitfulness of antichrist. We note here the actions of an antichrist as another indicator of the ways of antichrist. It says, anyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. These people do not have God and they are antichrists. You will recall from the definitions of the word anti that it included those who go before or ahead of another, in this case going ahead of Christ. As Christians, we are called to follow Jesus, not to race off ahead of him. He is our leader, teacher, guide, and the saviour of mankind for all who come to him. We follow him, not the other way around. We are called to abide in the doctrine of Christ, not try and find another way by going ahead of him, because there is no other way. But one who seeks to go ahead of Christ is trying to be better than Christ. They think they know better, which is nothing short of pride and arrogance, and these are not the attributes of Christ, but of the Antichrist. Finally, we are warned not to receive those who do the works of Antichrist. We should not greet them or accept them, for they are not of Christ. To do so is to accept their wickedness and share in their wicked work. An example of an Antichrist structure. In John's third letter, we are given an insight into what an Antichrist structure might look like. It's an interesting picture and one which we need to take note of. In 3 John chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, we read, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge my authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, 
prating against me with evil words. And not content with that, he refuses himself to welcome the brethren and also stops those who want to welcome them and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. He who does good is of God. He who does evil has not seen God. Third John chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. What was this Diotrephes doing? He was putting himself first, that is, above the authority of John as an apostle and elder of the church. He was standing in the place of Jesus Christ. He was looking after his own needs rather than the needs of the church and was rejecting those who came to him to speak the truth. He was backstabbing the apostle John with evil words and not walking in the love of God. This man was the embodiment of an antichrist and the church he was in was structured incorrectly since Diotrephes had taken a position as the head of the church. He was not following the Lord but seeking to go his own way for his own ends and benefit. When the structure is wrong, we also begin to see changes in the methods and forms of worship, including many of the items found in the church. We will look at some of these issues and items in part 7 of this book, but first, let us look next at the ministry gifts given to the church by the Lord, and we'll cover that next week. That's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, when we will look at the ministry gifts to the church, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless. God bless.